Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, he's Keyshawn Johnson. He's Chris Canty. I'm Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio. The ESPN App Series, X Channel 80, and your smart speakers presented by Progressive Insurance. Anytime a guest stops by to hang out with us, they're here thanks to the Goodyear Hotline. So, Cowboys haters, let the Cowboys fans have it. Let the Cowboys players have it. They had their chances, even though they were behind the eight ball all night long versus the Las Vegas Raiders, but they lose in overtime last night by a count of 36 to 33. Three out of their last four games they have lost, including back to back games against AFC West opponents, Kansas City on Sunday, and then the Las Vegas Raiders on Thursday. You guys both understand when it comes to the Raiders and that organization, how desperate they were to try to get that win and they played like it. But if you're the Dallas Cowboys, Key, I would have a concern if I'm that team thinking, man, we, not, we need to start playing more desperately, especially when we had the kind of defections with players being out because of injury, COVID-19 protocols, et cetera. No, I, you know, and I was sitting here thinking as I was talking to you guys in the break, and I was thinking about this segment that we get ready to do on the Cowboys and how things went down for him. And, Chris, we play, you play for the Cowboys, I play for the Cowboys on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. Day. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking to myself as we uh, just finished up our Thanksgiving yesterday, they lost that game. When they went home to eat, you think the food went to waste or did anybody eat it? Ooh. Oh, man, that turkey tastes terrible yesterday, Key. <laughs> Come on, man. I played, in six, I played in six Thanksgiving games, and I lost two of them, and I didn't want to be around nobody or nothing. I didn't want to have nothing to eat. Like, it's just you're in a completely different mood, and especially the way the Cowboys played yesterday where they essentially gave the game away at the end of it. Like, yeah, that, that's got to be extremely frustrating. Ain't nobody enjoyed their Thanksgiving yesterday. I, that's what I said. I said, you can't possibly tell me that they went home and enjoyed the meal that was prepared for them by whomever. You just could, you, you can't eat when you lose a game of, of a team against a team you know that you should beat despite having certain players out of the game and hobbled teammates like Ezekiel Elliott in, in, in the COVID situation with Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb with the concussion, and now uh, Gregory's out and you still don't have Demarcus Lawrence back. It's just, it, you know, the secondary didn't play well. It's like they just didn't do themselves any good in that football game to go home and eat anything at all. Damn not eating. I just took the food from them, Freddie. <laughs> I want to exactly, man, because they didn't earn it yesterday. And, and the thing that, that, that drives me crazy, Key, mm-hmm. is that the Cowboys gave the Raiders more opportunities than they should have had, right? Seven penalties that resulted in first downs for that Raiders offense. And then you had four DPIs by one guy, Anthony Brown, on third down incompletions. That's inexcusable. You can't do that. At some point, you got to stop shooting yourself in the foot. And the Cowboys had so many self-inflicting wounds. Now, I will credit the Raiders because they took advantage of the miscues from the Cowboys, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, and they won the game. But let's not make any mistakes about it, man. The Cowboys let one get away yesterday. In a short week, when you're at home, the Raiders coming from – Came coming from Vegas, like you, you got to take advantage of that opportunity. And the Cowboys just missed one, and now we're talking about them losing three of their last four games. Well, number one, it is Thanksgiving, so he's supposed to give thanks and give to those who really need it. So maybe the Cowboys are in that frame of mind when it came to the Las Vegas Raiders needing that victory, especially being the AFC West. So that could be number one. But number two, <laughs> I want to stay with you guys in terms of. By the way, he's Keyshawn Johnson, Chris Cannon, Freddie Coleman, and Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio. I want to stay with that whole thing because I never thought about that. When you're playing on Thanksgiving Day, I can't even imagine all the years that the Detroit Lions, when they're not winning, or you guys playing for the Dallas Cowboys and having to go home and eat after losing a game. 
Key, I'll start with you. What was that like walking into the house? Because I know it had to have been awful for you. But what was it like for your family having to deal with that as well as thinking, man, we are trying to have a good Thanksgiving, but, you know, Dad had a rough day at the office today. and That's not going to work well in the Keyshawn Johnson household. Well, in, in terms of Thanksgiving, we would have our Thanksgiving, believe it or not, at the stadium because I had a suite. Okay. And we would just have it during the course of the game. So they allowed us and my family to bring in our food from home into the stadium, and they had it all set up. So I never really – I they were eating throughout the game. I never really had a chance to, to enjoy the food because if we lost in, in, in any game, no matter where I was at, I couldn't eat. You know, I was a sore loser. I was right. one of those dudes, no matter if it was Thanksgiving Day, Freddie, or a normal game. Uh-huh. I, it took me two days. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't – I was sick as a dog. I, I just – and then when I win, it's the other way around. But when I would lose a game – Everybody already knew, like, he in a bad mood. Like, don't talk this. Don't even say that. Don't even be in a bad mood. We, I guess we ain't going to go eat. I remember that. My auntie, one time, one time my aunt, uh, my aunt came to the game, and, um, and I had my bishop there at the game, and he was upstairs in the box with the whole family. And we were winning, apparently, during the game. But when he arrived, we started losing. So oh, I no. came after the game. And my auntie, you know, she, 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 the liquor was flowing. Mm-hmm. So you know how the aunties can get. <laughs> oh, yeah. She done started going in on the bishop. And I'm like, oh, oh Lord. No. I'm sitting there. And so when I get there, she's, he's like, your auntie, man, your auntie's killing me right now, Key. I'm like, yeah, I could, he, I could tell. She's like, oh, this janky, you know what, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, ooh, we. <laughs> but that's the sort of stuff that. You have to deal with after games. You get, you know, the family already know. Candy, they already know. They like, Dad ain't, he ain't, no, nah, we're not going to, we're not going to eat. He go, he want to go home. And I, you know, and we would set things up so we know when the game is over, we're going to Mr. Child's. Or the game is over, we're going Ooh. to Houston's. Or the mm. game is over, we're going to these restaurants. When we lose, they like, well, guess that's out. <laughs> I, I, hey, Freddie, I'm just counting them as many times as Keith Flex just now when just giving that response. First of all, uh-huh. he had the suite at the stadium, yeah, so that's one. big boy bread right there. Yep. They let him bring his own food in, number which two. they never do for anybody. Right. Secondly, he's talking about, yeah, we might go to Mr. Child's, we might go to Philippe's afterwards. Number I'm three. just saying, there are a lot of subtle flexes in there. And Keyshawn, oh, no, it was oh, a, no, no, no. Keyshawn didn't let you know wait, he got it. But, but wait, <laughs> though, wait, though, Candy. See, I didn't give you the ultimate flex. Oh no! You want to hear the ultimate? Yeah, oh hell yeah! Well, we want to you know, when we lose, when we lose, you know, they pull my car down to the front, down in the tunnel, and let me drive back up. See, they didn't. You, wow. you, you didn't notice that though. I don't think, Canty. No, I my noticed car, that. I seen yeah. the bit. I seen the white Bentley going down there. I noticed yeah. it. I didn't I walk just, out. <laughs> I didn't walk out. I pulled my stuff all the way into the stadium. Yeah, it was your it was your Bentley parked right next to Greg Ellis's Phantom. I remember that because I remember I had a little Mitsubishi truck that they they told me to keep way in the back of the parking lot. Like that's what I had. So there's there's levels to this, Freddie. In case you didn't know, there's levels to this thing. Well, put it this way: with you two, the Cowboys need to flex like that yesterday. With the kind of flex you guys are giving me right now from previous Thanksgiving Day games, because that team and I know Ezekiel Elliott, he may be injured. We don't know how injured he is. I thought a big key in addition to all those penalties happening, all those Thanksgiving gifts they were giving to the Las Vegas Raiders, playing seven offensive linemen and mixing that around, guys, I'm still trying to figure out what was the end game with the Cowboys doing that to try to help their running game and help their pass protection. 
But I think the biggest thing, Freddie, is just that the Cowboys' offensive running game hasn't been able to get going the last couple of weeks. Like, like l- last week, Kellen Moore didn't even give it a chance in Kansas City where they ran the ball. I mean, they threw the ball three times as, as much as they ran the ball. And then yesterday, only 20 carries for 64 yards against the 29th-ranked run defense going into that game. That's completely unacceptable. So to me, a lot of that has to be placed at the, at the feet of the play caller in Kellen Moore. Now, I get it. Tyron Smith was banged up coming into that game, even though he played. It wasn't his best performance, but he was out there. You've got to find a way to be able to reestablish the line of scrimmage, and I think they got away from that early in that game, and the complexion of the game didn't necessarily dictate them doing that because – Oh, it was a one-possession game the entirety of the second half. So the Cowboys have got to get back to doing what they do best, which is being able to use that offensive line mm-hmm. to assert themselves and to, to be the catalyst for that offense. And because they've kind of gotten outside or gotten away from their identity, I think that's why we've seen them struggle over the course of the last month in terms of being able to find ways to win. And another thing you got to realize, too, is the offensive coordinator is what? An ex-quarterback. Yep. Typically, ex-quarterbacks, they want to do what? They want to throw the ball in the damn air. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you take a look at the New York Giants situation with Jason Garrett. All you want to do is throw the ball. You don't even want to try to run. And it's the same situation with Kellen Moore. They get in these habits of wanting to throw the ball all the damn time instead of trying to run. Run the ball, please. <laughs> Great stuff by Keyshawn Johnson and Chris Candy. By the way, hit him on Twitter, Keyshawn, and at Chris Candy 99 part of Key J and Max here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, offering coverage options as unique as your business. Progressive covers companies of many sizes and specialties. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Now, Key mentioned Jason Garrett, no longer a member of the New York Giants. The Giants' first game is going to happen with him without, without him being the offensive coordinator of that team. Jason Garrett has been relieved of his duties. Tessa in New Jersey. No, I can't stand that bum, Jason Garrett. However, fire Dave Gettleman. He don't deserve respect like that. Fire him. Apparently, Tessa in New Jersey was not happy and still not happy with the New York Giants. But, Key, gone today when it comes to Jason Garrett, gone this week. But you know there are going to be more heads that are going to be rolling. It could be the head coach, Joe Judge. It could be the general manager, Dave Gettleman. It could be one or the other. It seems like that Dave Gettleman is not going to have his job. The Giants' future that looked pretty promising, according to them, before the season got started. They believed they had their quarterback. They believed they had their coach. They believed they had their general manager. They had their three-headed monster. Now they could be without all three of those guys. This future looks a lot murkier than even before the season, even during this season, has completely been lost for the New York Giants. Yeah, and, and, you know, more heads are always going to roll. The first domino always falls of a coordinator, right? And then it becomes like an offensive line coach, and then all of a sudden it becomes the head coach. I don't necessarily know that Joe Judge and Chris Canty is a little closer to the New York Giants organization than I am. I'm just looking at it from afar and trusting the history of my mind, telling me that Joe Judge probably gets another shot at it at the end of the day. The new, new if, in fact, and when they bring in a new general manager will then give the direction of, hey, take a look at your staff. Let's mix some things up. Let me get you the necessary help that you need from a coaching staff standpoint so we can get the best out of the players that are here because I believe they do have some talent. I don't think that I don't think that Dave Gettleman missed on everybody. 
I mean, there's some talent that's there. Guys are in the National Football League. There's only 53 of them, so 53 men on the roster that actually are up playing. So clearly they are at the head of the class at what they can do. I feel like they just need to make some changes on their staff, and that one head that rolled was Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett was mainly brought there to basically tutor and mentor uh, uh, Joe Judge how to be a head coach. You know, mm-hmm. just different mm-hmm. situations. That's why he was there. And I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that he did a good job or a bad job in terms of that. I know he did a p- poor job calling plays for damn sure. Yeah, and another reason why Jason Garrett was brought there was to develop Daniel Jones, and we see that that hasn't happened. But, Keith, I think to your point, the Giants are probably leaning toward retaining Joe Judge just for the sake of saying that they're not getting into a cycle of hiring and firing coaches Every couple of years. Remember, they gave Ben McAdoo two years, fired him. They gave Pat Shermer two years, fired him. I don't think they want to do that to a third straight coach, although I would argue why stay with consistency when it's led to mediocre, mediocre results. Like, I just don't understand why the Giants want to continue down that path, especially if you want to consider hiring another general manager. Functional organizations typically decide when they're going to fire their GM, Mm -hmm. when they're bringing in a new GM, allowing him to pick who their head coach is going to be. And based on his one and a half seasons here, there hasn't been anything that Joe Judge has shown me of substance to say that he deserves the opportunity to be the head coach in 2022. He hadn't earned that just based on the record. Our old coach Bill Parcells used to say, you are what your record says you are. And right now, Joe Judge is a coach that loses twice as much as he wins. Now, you can blame it on Gettleman, but the head coach has got to be responsible for some of that because you're either coaching it or you're letting it happen. And key, you said this, this Giants team is not devoid of talent. The only question is, do you have the right people there to develop said talent? And it doesn't feel like they do. Well, put it this way. Whatever change is going to happen, whether it involves Joe Judge or not, the Giants are going to be going through some change once the season is over. And speaking of that, we had a chance to hear Keyshawn Johnson say this about one Super Bowl winning coach earlier in the show that maybe could be in the mix to be a new head coach of the New York Giants. The offensive side of the ball is dismal for them. No Michael Thomas, no Kamara, tied in, gone. A quarterback shouldn't even be in the league as far as I'm concerned. They had an opportunity to fix it when Jameis Winston got hurt to take a look at Cam Newton that was out there. They passed on that. And I wouldn't be shocked or surprised if, and I know Sean Payton has a big deal, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton decided to do something different at the end of the season. Well, Keith, Sean Payton used to work for that organization. We all know his mentor is Bill Parcells, a man that you know very, very well from playing with him with the New York Giants. Could you see Payton potentially, if the Giants move on from Joe Judge, going to the New York Giants but having full control of personnel matters? You know, it depends on what he thinks that personnel is going to look like. He's going to go into a winning situation. Does he believe in Daniel Jones? Is that the right fit? You know, a lot of times coaches make these decisions. Uh, you know, their kids are older. They're they're not, you know, Sean kids are a little older now. They're not at home, that sort of thing where you have to worry about it. Now I'm a, I could just move around. Mm-hmm. Um, Money-wise, he's making you know one of the highest salaries in NFL in New Orleans. But is New Orleans roster where it's going to be able to compete? And money-wise, do they have the money and the salary cap space to compete against the Rams, against the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Now the New Orleans, uh, the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton in the future over the next couple of years, because I believe Cam will be there over the next couple of years as he continues to grow within Carolina's offense. Are they able to compete with Arizona within that conference? 
that's what you got to look at. He could be a man in New York. You know, Bill Parcells is is obviously his mentor, and Sean in the past, as Dan Graziano spoke about when he was on our show earlier, has flirted with the idea of moving on to other teams. His name pops up every year when big-time jobs openings come up with talented rosters. You know, coaches in this league, you know, they don't sit around and last forever. And I can see where Sean is like, you know what, I've gotten the most out of it. There's no Drew Brees for me anymore. Um, my top receiver hadn't played in two years. Alva Kamara, Kamara's been in and out of the lineup over the last couple of years for me. I could see where Sean looks at it and probably says, "You know what? Let me let me take a let me have another challenge on my hands." All right, Chris Candy, your thoughts on that? Well, listen. I mean, I, I think if Sean Payton wants to come and coach your franchise, then outside of a handful of teams, you should absolutely let him. Like, I mean, he's one of the best head coaches and one of the best play callers in the NFL, one of the best football minds in today's game. So, yeah, if the Giants, you know, were in contention to be able to get a Sean Payton type of coach, if they could get Sean Payton, then they absolutely should do it. And keep in mind, the Giants do have two first-round draft picks because they did the deal with the Chicago Bears to allow them to get Justin Fields. So, I mean, two top draft, two first-round draft picks and those being potentially top ten picks this year – that would be an interesting scenario, but again, it's about what Sean Payton would want to do. But it's clear that the New York Giants have to pivot away from what they've been doing. I mean, they're working on having their fifth consecutive double-digit loss season, mm-hmm. and that would make it seven of the last eight. Freddie, that's not territory that Giants no. fans are used to them being in. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, that's futility on a whole nother level. We're talking about them being potentially the factory of sadness part two. <laughs> at MetLife Stadium. Like, that's, that's where the Giants are getting to right now. So yeah. they've got to figure out a way to be able to get things turned around. And I think that starts with the hierarchy of the organization, your general manager, your head coach, and your quarterback. And if I were power ranking the people that were on the hot seat in that organization, it would be in that exact order. He's Chris Candy. He's Keyshawn Johnson, Freddie Cohen, Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio. So play along with us here. Dave Gellerman, no, no, more than likely, is going to be out. They're not going to lack for suitors to take over that organization, whether they decide to go after Sean Payton or maybe go after Lewis Riddick, one of our co-workers here, because he interviewed for the job the last time, and they chose Dave Gellerman. The possibility could be there that the Giants may say, we're not going to let him get away this time if they decide to move on from Dave Gellerman and think about interviewing a guy like Lewis Riddick for that job, King. That would be smart. I mean, it would certainly be smart. Lewis Riddick is one of the brightest minds in all of football. I love sitting down just talking ball with him. Me too. And and when you can sit down and you can talk football, and I can be on the same page with you and understand everything you're saying, and we see things the same sort of way, I know you know what you're talking about because I show in the hell think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and he's done a tremendous job on Monday Night Football. There's no question about it. And, and But he wants to be a general manager, and the opportunity is there for him. I mean, you know, when, they, when, when they're hiring guys and my former teammate like John Lynch – out there that never, ever been in personnel, came off of television, and he took his team in two, three years to the Super Bowl, you can't tell me Lewis Riddick can't do that. You can't, you can't, you, there's no way in hell you could ever sell me and say, well, Lewis Riddick is not capable of being a general manager in the National Football League and turning a franchise around because he knows what he's looking at. And I'm with you on that one, Key. And to further your point, I think Lewis Riddick should be on a short list of people that the Giants look at should they make the move and 
rid of Dave Gettleman. But the thing that I want the Giants to do is just to bring in a fresh set of eyes to be able to fix the situation. Because what they've done in the past has just kind of been so incestuous, and it's led to the, the demise of the organization. Like, they passed it off from Ernie Accorsi to Jerry Reese, back to Dave Gettleman, because he was a part of those Super Bowl years in 2007 and 2011, and it's just continued to deteriorate. So I feel like they need to bring in a fresh set of eyes, somebody that's not familiar with Giants' DNA, quote-unquote, and actually have them assess it and build a football team that's capable of having sustained success. Daniel Jones, real quick, guys. Keith, start with you then, Chris. If you're the New York Giants, what do you do with that guy who has had 29 interceptions in 37 games as starting quarterback? You know, he's been, he's been with two head coaches – in three years. That's not fair to that young man. We've got to evaluate him and look at it in the offseason with whoever the new offensive coordinator, quarterback coach is going to be. If there's a new general manager, we got to evaluate him. That's just it's simple, just evaluate him. I, I agree with Key, although I will say this. Three years, Coach Parcells used to always say, I give a guy three years to show me what he can do, and after that I'll make a decision. Daniel Jones, 49 total touchdowns, 49 total turnovers. That's a problem in terms of forecasting or projecting his future as an NFL starting quarterback. Well, well Chris, here's something I thought about. That Evan and I, the producer, talking about this. Shouldn't that really start now or have already started a guy in Daniel Jones? Because after three years, either you believe he's the guy or is not the guy. If you're going to be a general manager or coach taking over this team, you got to look at him and say, either we're keeping that guy or we're not keeping that guy. And that's a decision that has to be made before next year. But it's not Well, yeah, because you're, you're also talking about exercising his fifth-year option this coming offseason, whether or not you're going to do that. So that decision has to be made. But you also got to look at the options that you have in the upcoming draft or with quarterbacks that could potentially want out of their current situation, veteran guys around the league. Like, you may not have any other better options right now. So I don't, I don't necessarily know where the Giants' head, are, head is at, but I think this decision is going to be made by whoever the next general manager is because it won't be Dave Gettleman. Yeah, but see, he under my tutelage, I, I don't know what he is. I can't evaluate. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the building. Okay. So three head coaches and now three coordinators in three years, I can't evaluate him doing that. I got to see what he is in my tent, in my building, because I don't know what was going on. It's very hard to know what's going on in a young man's mind when Jason Garrett is coaching him. Pat Shermer's coach, it's just, it's, it's too much. Now you got Freddie Kitchens. Like, he has not had a Sean Payton, a Todd Haley, a, uh, you know, a, a, a Mike Holmgren, uh, Andy Reid, Eric B. And he hasn't had that. So how can we judge his ability based on the mess that he's been under yeah. for the last three years? Yeah. Either way, it's a tricky situation in Gotham with the Giants and not just the rest of the regular season, but decision that will have to be made in the offseason to try to get that train on some sort of track that's going to be consistent. Great stuff by Keyshawn Johnson and Chris Canty. Hit them on Twitter at Keyshawn and at Chris Canty 99 and Freddie Coleman. Hit me on Twitter at Coleman ESPN, part of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. Series X and Channel 80 and your smart speakers. Michigan fans are tired of the Ohio State University. Also not beating said the Ohio State University, and they're also tired of hearing this. That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Along Keyshawn Johnson, Chris Canty, I'm Freddie Coleman, and Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, 6XM Channel 80, as well as tune in. The last time Michigan beat Ohio State in football, gas was free in this country. That was back in 2011. They beat Michigan, won it by 40-34. to 34. Since then, it's gotten progressively worse and worse, including last year, where Ohio State beat them 56-27. to 27. The year before that, they beat Michigan 62-39. to 39. Let's bring the man who played in that rivalry for the Ohio State University. He's now ESPN football analyst, and he has been hard socking. He joins us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Ben, I'm not going to ask any kind of expectations when it comes to when these two get together tomorrow. But what has it been like that it seems that every year Michigan fans say next year is going to be the year, and it has not been that way for them since 2010? Listen, the rivalry only works when it's competitive. So secretly, I'm, I've been rooting for Harbaugh. I think he's good for college football. His, his eccentricities, his, his you know, interesting way he carries himself, it's good. But this, this series has been one-sided. It, it's been a mess. And so I'm so excited that this game, it feels like the games that we're accustomed to. It feels like the way that rivalry games should feel with this anticipation, with this feeling of the winners going to the Big Ten Championship, the winners got the, 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 the beeline for the college football playoff. These are the games that I grew up watching. These are the games that I grew up playing in. I've felt the joy of victory. I've felt the, the, the crush of defeat, the most, the most uh, painful loss in my entire football career, professional and collegiate, was losing to Michigan my senior year. But the, the, one of the most incredible college football – no, one of the greatest football experiences I've ever had is winning at home where the fans rushed the field because we were headed – it was pre-Big Ten championship game, but the beating Michigan sent us to the national championship game. And having that rush of 100,000 fans on the field beating the crap out of your pads is, is an experience unlike any other. So it's, uh, it's, it's good to have this game matter this weekend because uh, the, the college football is better when it, when it does matter. Do you think that Michigan has a legitimate, like a legitimate shot <laughs> not a, well, not that we you, want them to have a legitimate shot, but I mean a real shot. Sure, yeah, they've they've got a shot because this year, more than maybe the past five years, maybe that more than any other year in the college football playoff era, 
every team has flaws outside of Georgia, but every team has real and legitimate flaws that can be exploited. And Ohio State's defense has has quietly clawed back into the top twenty, top fifteen of of total or of scoring defense, but they've looked vulnerable uh, at times. Now that also feels like a long time ago. Ultimately, whether or not you bet on Michigan, whether or not you think Michigan's got a shot, you've got to kind of speculate. Did Ohio State go bonkers last week because Ohio because Michigan State's defense was really that bad? And 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 with that victory, does that help Ohio State and say, you know what, we are the juggernaut that we we were expected to be all season, and now we figured out? Or does a win like that over a, a top ten Michigan State team crushing their dreams? lead to a little bit of complacency. I mean, that you, you've got to kind of project how, how Ohio State's team will respond. But the, the recipe to, to get the win for Michigan State, it's, it's not complicated. You've got to run the ball. You've got to shorten the game. You've got to get a couple of interceptions, and you've got to keep it close early. Last game versus Michigan State, Ohio State scored every single time they had the ball in the first half, and they only kicked one field goal, seven drives, in the first half, six touchdowns, one field goal. So you can't. You you've got to come out and for Michigan, you've got to come out and you've got to keep it a, a battle. You've got to punch and, and body blow and keep the game close into halftime, and then hope some things bounce your way in the second half. Talking with ESPN football analyst Ben Hartstock. Ben, in staying with Ohio State, when the rumors surfaced about Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears head coach, potentially being fired this week. Ryan Day's name started popping up as potential candidates to fill that coaching vacancy. What have you heard about Ryan Day potentially wanting to make the leap to the pro ranks? And is that a possibility? Could that potentially be a possibility this offseason? It's nothing that I've heard in my circle of former players and whatnot that is anything of interest to him. Maybe if, if Ryan Day had a national championship or two, you know, something that his legacy was cemented at the collegiate level. But I don't think that as much success as he's had, he hasn't really accomplished outside of continuing the greatness that Urban Meyer uh, handed him. I don't think he's written his chapter nearly uh, completely enough. And, and, and then on top of that, you have to wonder, there's been a bunch, you know, there's a bunch of college football openings right now. And there's a lot of talk about who's, I don't know that there's there, there's that many men on the planet that have the skill set to do what Nick Saban has done and to do what Dabo Sweeney has done and what Ryan Day we think is in the midst of doing. Uh, so do do you go do you look at that requirement because it's not just about the X's and the O's. It's not just about motivating players. It's about recruiting, and it's not just recruiting high school. It's recruiting guys to not transfer, and it's recruiting guys from the transfer portal, and it's also. Uh, fundraising and it's dealing with boosters and all of that. The college game is just a, it's an unbelievable meat grinder of a, of a job description for the college coach. So maybe there's somebody that, or if you don't want all of that, you go to the NFL because at least you don't have to deal with the recruiting. At least you don't have to deal with the donor relations, uh, the facilities and all those sorts of things. But I don't strike, Ryan Day doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's interested in that. I think at the college level, you're still, more of a developmenter. You're 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 growing young guys, young men into grown men. So I think that's an attractive part of it for for Ryan Day. I don't think that he's necessarily maybe down the road, but I think we're still five six years away from that uh, being a reality. 
Ben Hartsock, ESPN football analyst on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN radio. Then they have a team in Cincinnati, the other team in Ohio right now. That's also in the top four when it comes to the college ball playoff rankings. They play East Carolina later on. Then they got Houston next week in the American Athletic Conference championship game. The committee finally did right, if you believe Cincinnati fans, by putting him in the top four. What are your thoughts on this Bearcats team that is in the top four going forward? Uh, it's it's unprecedented. I, I'm amazed. I, I thought the way that the committee placed Cincinnati at six initially in their their ranking back uh, earlier this month, I thought that was a symbolic gesture because they were ranked two in the in the AP poll and they in the college football playoff put them at six. And to me, that was a signal that guys, we don't care how good you are, you're never going to do anything to get in this top four. But now here we are. So it's, uh, it, you're in the driver's seat, and the, the reality is Ohio State and Michigan is going to clarify to continue to solidify that spot in the top four. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame's going to make it uh, make any moves or do anything with the games that it has remaining to, to be able to jump them. So as long as Cincinnati holds serve, it looks like we're looking to uh, we're going to you know, make history here and have a group of five team in the college football playoff. Always does a great job to ESPN football analyst, although he'll never be allowed into the state of Ohio ever again. They're saying he's rooting for Jim Harbaugh. He has been Hardsock joining us here in the Goodyear Hotline <laughs> on Keyshawn J. Willemax presented by Progressive Insurance. Ben, enjoy the game tomorrow, my friend, and thanks a lot. <laughs> Yeah, getting on a plane bud. heading that way, fired up. I might fight somebody in the tailgate. <laughs> My money's on Ben. I've seen you. My money's on you if you're fighting anybody in the tailgate. Along with Keyshawn Johnson and Chris Candy. I'm Freddie Cohen to Keyshawn J. Will and Max. It's the NFC East, still the Cowboys division to win, even though they have a game and a half lead on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Keyshawn J. Will and Max Podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com choices will always be made when it comes to taking a shake taking a shake excuse me Keyshawn johnson chris canty and freddie coleman on key j and max and espn radio the espn app six action channel 80 as well as tune in our man evan wilner he brings the scenarios and we'll make sure if it's going to be on the take or on the shake evan it's all yours yeah i'm gonna add one based on what we're just talking about in the break okay USC will win a national championship in college football before Notre Dame wins another one. Take it or shake it. Take it. Take it. That's when take you guys it. are supposed to say take it. I don't think you explained it to him. Well, take it. 
Oh yeah, I'm I'm not gonna take that. I, I'll shake that. I'll shake that. I'll one. shake no. that one too. Yeah, I'm gonna take it. One. So the way it goes is when I say take it or shake it, we all scream take it or shake it. Then uh-huh. I explain why I take it or shook it. Then you guys can elaborate after that. So I'm gonna take the fact that USC is going to be able to get back to the top of college football very soon when they go out and hire the right coach that will take care of the student athletes both on and off the field academically as well as getting them necessarily ready to go to the NFL. One of the things about our program that we haven't been able to do is get the type of bodies in here that we need, football players, NFL-ready type guys that we had before. Once we get that back going, we're certainly going to win a national championship. Notre Dame is all hype. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Key, but Notre Dame is in the midst of their longest double-digit win streak that they've ever had in program history, and that's a storied program. So Brian Kelly has done a pretty pretty damn good job, and they're trending in the right direction to having opportunities. Like, they're sixth in the college football playoff rankings right now. USC, although geographical footprint would lead you to believe that they have a chance to make this a quick turnaround – I mean, a lot of people in recent memory haven't been able to get it turned around. So I got more confidence in what I've seen from Notre Dame than what I've seen from USC. Man, stick to Virginia football. <laughs> well, number one. That I'm ain't gonna... a good place to be, Keith. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. Exactly. It, it, I don't know if we're as bad as SC, but we're still not in a good spot. Well, you're not in a good spot, but you're not SC in terms of that. I'm shaking it as well because the only way I would take in this if USC hires Brian Kelly as their head coach. Oh, no. Period. Uh, <laughs> turn that dude's mic off. the only way that I would be taking Brian that because, Kelly, dude, we, Keyshawn, until you get a head coach that's been there please. as long as Brian Kelly and been please. in the college football playoffs, he's been there twice. Please. When has USC been in the college football playoffs, oh, dude? Oh, God, stop, until, Brian Kelly. And I like you, Brian Kelly. He comes on the show, but yeah. please. P- police yourself, man. You need that guy to say, please, USC, hire me. Oh, that would be the God. only way I would take your Never team Never going to there. happen. Never. I know it's never going to happen, but for it to happen, for your team to be in the college football playoff, you need to hire that guy more than somebody else. And, and do what? Get run out of the building? Well, at least you'll be in the college football playoff. Where's USC now? You guys can't even go to the now defunct Tangerine Bowl, much less go wow. to the college football playoff. Wow. Uh, if we didn't have to move this thing on, I would baptize you right now. <laughs> no, go. Let's. No, we, look. For, first of all, we had a guy in Lane Kiffin. We fired him on the tour, Matt. Why? Mm-hmm. I just, it was uh-huh. silly, uh-huh. given the fact that he took a program over that was lack of scholarships sure. and did a good job with us. Absolutely. Then we hired Steve Sarkeesian, which they probably should have never hired in the first place. Mm-hmm. He was known as Seven Win Sark out of Washington. Then we took and we hired Clay Helton when they should have kept Coach O. Mm-hmm. But because we had two first-time athletic directors have never done it before, and Pat Hayden and then the Hall of Famer Lynn Swan, now we finally got a football guy and Mike yep. Bone to do yes, the job. Do. He was able to hire the right guy in Lou Fickle at Cincinnati. I believe he will be able to hire the right guy along with Carol Folk, our, uh, our president of school, to get the alumni base going, to have everybody satisfied in the direction in which we go. There's some candidates out there yep. that are pretty good, yep, and are. I know who they are, okay. and I know who we've been talking to, okay. and I'm not going to disclose that, That's but right. I promise you we'll be back in a national championship game before Notre Dame. Especially, mm. especially if Mike Bone has Brian Kelly's number on speed dial. That will be the first step towards that. Anyway. Jonathan Taylor will finish in the top three of the NFL MVP voting. Take it or shake it. Keep. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Yeah, I think I think he will. Here, here's It's going to be two quarterbacks in Jonathan Taylor. The two quarterbacks are probably going to be Kyler Murray, And Tom Brady. I think that's the two quarterbacks, and then Jonathan Taylor. 
Yeah, I'm with Key on this one. I think he'll be in the top three. He's going to finish leading the league in scrimmage yards. But if Derrick Henry can't win the MVP, then this dude ain't going to win it. I think the last time a non-quarterback won MVP was 2012, Adrian Peterson. So mm-hmm. I'm with Key. I think it'll end up being Tom Brady. And it's crazy to say at age 44 he's going to win MVP. But I think he has to be viewed as the front runner. Yeah, what you said. Go back to Evan. <laughs> Jalen Hurts will be the sec, at least the second-best quarterback from the entire 2020 draft. That includes Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungavailoa. Jalen Hurts will be at least the second-best quarterback from that draft. Take it or shake it. it. We're talking about the future, right? Not yes. this year. Yeah. Yes, going forward. Yeah. Shake it. Shake it. Shake it. I think he will be in the eyes of most people, not mine. And I shook it because I think most people will view him based on where he was drafted, his style of play, they will prefer to go with Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow over Jalen Hurts, even though Jalen Hurts' numbers in his first 15 games are basically exactly the same as Lamar Jackson, which says that he was heading on an MVP-type trajectory based on where those statistics were for him and Lamar. I just don't think that people appreciate his abilities, and they will write him off because of that couple of things. Jalen Hurts is not Lamar Jackson, just to clarify. I don't want anybody to think that. But right now, the best thing Jalen Hurts does do is run the football. That being said. See, here you go. He's he's still, saying, see, you see what I'm saying? Just writing him <laughs> off. I'm not writing him off. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the franchise quarterback of the Eagles. I'm not writing him off, Key. But I just don't think he's going to be as good as Justin Herbert or as good as Joe Burrow because those guys have shown a lot earlier in their career that they're able to consistently win from the well. And when it comes See? to playing quarterback in the NFL, See? you're going to have to make some throws from the pocket in order for See? your team to have See? success. Jalen Hurts hasn't shown he can do that. Not saying he can't develop into that guy, but I don't think he'll ever be better as a pocket passer than Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. See? See? You see, you see what I go through, Evan? I go through this all the time. All right. Real quick, take it or shake it. Last one off that. The Eagles making the playoffs this year. Take it or shake it. Quick answer. Key, Chris. Shake it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Shake it. Take it. Yeah, I don't think, think they're going to make it. No. They're going to make it. it. Look at their remaining schedule. They're going to make it. Yeah. I, I still don't trust. I don't trust Nick Sirianni as a head coach yet. I thought I trust him a lot more than Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions. Speaking of that game between the Lions and the Bears, somebody still thinks not to be part of the great resignation. We'll tell you who that is next on KJM on ESPN Radio and 6XM Channel 80. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast.